I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson and our friends from Montecito Bank and Trust. Vicki, would you do the honors? We are happy to have back with us again Doris Roof, Senior Fraud Specialist from Montecito Bank and Trust. Welcome, Doris. What have you got for us today from the bank? I just want to mention that as a bank, and most banks have outside vendors that we work with, and one of our vendors actually mentioned that they have been seeing an increase in the tax refund scams. And with this year being tax filing a little bit later for some people, it's just a good reminder of what is occurring and what our vendor has shown as occurring. And so I'm just going to go ahead and go over some of the information that they provided to us. So the tax refund scam has become one of the most popular types of fraud in the U.S. with over $5.7 billion and that's a billion, reported by the IRS in 2022. So, and these scams can go ahead and occur throughout the year, not just during the tax season. And they pretty much involve fraudsters involving and trying to steal your personal information. They're going to try to file fraudulent tax returns or stealing money from their victims. One of the items that we always mention in the beginning of the year for tax filing is file your taxes as soon as possible. Even though you have a later window this year, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to be anticipating a refund, the scammers are looking for that also. They're looking for the individuals who may be receiving a refund. The items that they mentioned here in our alert that they sent to us was how to identify this threat. Tax refund scams typically involve with fraudsters pretending to be an IRS agent and contacting the victim via the phone, email, postal mail, or text. So pretty much every single avenue they could go ahead and get in contact with you. There are two common types of the tax refund scams. And one is the tax collection. The victim receives a notification from the fraudsters claiming that they owe taxes to the IRS. That one's pretty common. The fraudsters will demand, usually they're pretty aggressive and assertive, that the victim pay immediately. Once again, that sense of urgency involved there, usually with a prepaid debit card or wire transfer. I just want to add what they didn't have here. We're seeing more and more Bitcoin requests to be paid via whatever fraud scam that is occurring. And so I would like to add that they probably would also ask for Bitcoin. So the fraudsters will threaten the victim with further collection action, penalties, or jail time if they do not pay. So they become pretty threatening in trying to do that tax collection. And then the other one is the verification. So the victim receives an email or text message requiring them to verify their personal information. And the message often includes a hyperlink phrase that reads, click here, or a link to a fraudulent form 
or website which directs the victim to a site that requests the victim to provide personal information. Basically stating they want to update your information, just validate, you know, please include your social or your address, your phone number, etc. So once again, they're trying to have you click on that link. And not only clicking on the link to get the information, but sometimes there's a link to go ahead and get access to your computer to throw some malware onto your computer. So there's a lot of different things that they can do when you click on a link that you're not expecting. And how to protect yourself against this threat? Well, fraudsters are trying to create a sense of urgency, pressuring you to act quickly. And that's always one of the main signals. So financial institutions, we try to go ahead and ask our customers to determine the circumstances for the large payments or the transfer. So as a bank, a lot of banks will go ahead and look for unusual activity on your account and try to contact you. So like if we do see something that is larger than normal, and not expected we get in touch with our customers to verify. Did you really perform that transaction or is someone asking you to perform transactions? So they're basically saying, you know who you're talking to. Even though they're saying it's Montecito Bank and Trust, you want to verify it's Montecito Bank and Trust calling you. Contact the IRS. If you go out on the IRS website, they will never go ahead and call you to make those payments or give out your personal information or text you. The IRS will contact you by mail, but even with mail, I would go ahead and look them up and verify it's their phone. They're asking for that information and do not answer anything within a letter or a text or whatever. Look it up and verify that phone number that you should be calling the IRS with. You know, Doris, I wanted to mention here, last week, Sean Dyer gave us some wonderful tips for discerning whether or not we were dealing with a fraudster. And it's so interesting, as I'm listening to you tell your story, all of the elements are present. First of all, the scammer pretends to be from an organization that you're familiar with, well, the IRS. Secondly, the scammer is telling you that there's a problem or you've won a prize. Well, clearly here is the problem. And then the scammer pressures you to act immediately telling you that you've got to clear this up right now. And of course, the last thing is they want you to pay. So it's so interesting. It really is a formula, a pattern that these scammers follow. And it's demonstrated by what you just described to us. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Have you got anything else for us? Some of these fraud incidences happen in waves. And one of the areas that we're seeing quite a bit are like, tech support scams, and they will usually appear as a pop-up on your computer. And the pop-up will say something to the effect, McAfee is suspecting some issue, or please contact this phone number. You may not even have McAfee, but they're hoping that you do and that you will go ahead and call on some Customers even get a little bit of alerted by that, like, why am I being contacted by that pop-up? And we'll still go ahead and call. Bottom line is, if you get a pop-up, if it's for McAfee, we suspected some kind of fraud on your computer, please contact this link, or you owe X number of dollars, please call this number. So there are various pop-ups, but most of them are a tech support, you know, that they're hoping you will go ahead and call that number 
they will pretend to be that support team and they're not, and they will go ahead and start asking for personal information. A lot of times they want payment, and they want that payment quickly, like Vicki, you just mentioned. And a lot of times it's via Zelle, which is pretty much an instant transfer, or Cash App, or Venmo, anything that is immediate. And yeah. that's how they're going to ask for their money. What we've had people tell us about, and I had this happen to me, is when your computer screen is completely taken over by something. And so it's very alarming. Sometimes it's flashing, you know, your computer's infected. And it's really scary. I don't know if those are considered pop-ups or not, but it's very similar to what you're describing. Exactly. It's not considered the pop-up. It is somehow they have gotten access to your computer in some other fashion. Maybe they may have received a pop-up earlier. They may have clicked on a link earlier and then they've got control. What we suggest just to do something immediate is to turn off your computer immediately. And then if you need to unplug something, unplug it and go get your computer or check. Right, because turning it off didn't help. But when I unplugged it, it finally went away. It's really yeah. a terrible feeling. Yeah, I've had that Very happen to alarming. me too. Here at work. Yeah. Oh, my and gosh. I went into a panic. My work computer. Mm-hmm. And immediately, all that advice went right out of my head, and I just, mm-hmm. what do I do? To shut them down, and that didn't work. They just kept saying, don't shut off your computer, don't shut off your computer. Thankfully, we have tech support people here who knew how to handle it, but yeah, unplug it. You have to mm-hmm. unplug it. Doris, I want to make the point again that this scam that you're talking about, this tech support scam, similar pattern. The scammer's pretending to be from a company that you know. There's some issue, there's a problem with your uh, computer, and you have to act immediately. You have to get this taken care of, and they want you to pay. I mean, honestly, it's the same absolute pattern every single time. If we can just start to recognize the pattern, starting with they're going to be pretending to be from a company that you know. So right away, you're a little bit disarmed because you think, oh, I know these people. Of course, I've done business with them or they're a government agency. So right away, they have the advantage because they're the person in control or in power or they're somebody familiar to you. And so you start going down that path. And if we can just remember that for scammers, the first step is to pretend to be from somebody, a company that you know or that you do business with. Right. You know, it can be anything. And we see quite a few utilities, you know, because everybody uses utilities, right, in some form, fashion. So, yes, it's the gas company calling or the electrical, you know, your electricity is going to be turned off. Right. So it can be all very common impersonations. Yeah, right. And one that worries me is companies like McAfee, sometimes you get something that pops up that says your computer is infected, you have out of date drives, or you have a virus or this or that. And I have no idea if it's really them or not. So just go ahead and turn it off, unplug whatever, and then call McAfee if you truly have McAfee. Mm -hmm. Right. I have to say our customers are starting to become a little bit more savvy. They say that education is the best defense against scams. Law enforcement will tell you that over and over. They can't do much because, as we've talked about, these scams originate out of the country. They're out of our jurisdiction. And the best thing we can do is to educate the public. 
So clearly the bank is doing a good job. Hopefully we're doing our part, Patty, and it's starting to make a difference. People are starting to become more aware and more savvy. I know when I go out into the community and talk to people and do presentations, I'm amazed at really how savvy these audiences are. They are starting to pick up on these signs. But once again, if the scammer approaches you as an authority figure or somebody that you do business with or that you're familiar with and immediately creates terror, I'm the IRS and you have a big problem. Your brain goes out the window and you start thinking with your emotions. So that's why it's so important to maybe even have a card in front of you with these things spelled out so you get triggered the other way. Oh yeah, okay, now I'm recognizing the pattern. Anything else we should know about? That's pretty much it for this month. Thank you. And thank you for the good news that people are becoming more savvy. I love to hear that. That really is good news. Well, Patty, I have a couple of things I would like to talk about. One is a warning of what's going on in our community. I got a phone call the other day from a concerned citizen. She lived in one of the senior residences here in Santa Barbara. And apparently an 82-year-old woman in her community had gone to the market and had her wallet stolen, again, out of her purse, which was in the basket. And apparently the gangs are back again. Every once in a while we get groups, usually that come up from L.A., and they will stake out our supermarkets and they work in pairs and they will pair up with another crook and they will target somebody, often a senior, unfortunately, or somebody that looks a little bit unwary. And they will particularly target women who have left their purses sitting in their shopping cart, you know, in their that little basket up front, which I've trained myself not to do, even though my purse is heavy and I don't like it hanging on my shoulder. But I know that that is a signal for the crooks to pounce because somebody will come up and distract you. They will ask you a question. It might be, hey, do you know how to pick out a good watermelon? I don't know. Can you help me with this? Mm -hmm. While you're being distracted, the other crook will come up from behind, look in your purse and pull out your wallet and sneak away. And often you won't know that it's happened until you are up at the checkout stand and you're looking desperately in your purse for your wallet and you're realizing it's not there. Well, we know from experience and past histories that by that time, The crooks are long gone, and not only are they long gone, they've already been to Walmarts and purchased a bunch of gift cards and run up debts in your name using your information and your credit cards. That is something to be very, very careful of these days. Just when you go into the market, be extra cautious. Remember, never leave your purse unattended. Always have it on your arm, under your shoulder, not in your cart, because it's too easy to look away for a brief moment and have somebody who's lurking and waiting and watching. Right. And you gave another great tip too, Vicki, when we talked about this before. What they do to men sometimes is pretend they've dropped their keys when they're out in the parking lot. And while the gentleman is saying, oh, let me help you and bending down, they grab the wallet. So I hadn't heard of that one before. So that's another one to be very aware of. We have some of these occurrences on tape. So we've actually taped some of these incidents. We've seen it happen in real time. But the problem is, even though the faces of these people are on the tape, they're living somewhere else. They're not local. 
they get in their cars, they run up the, the credit card bills, they get in their cars, they're out of here. But usually it's not like Hawaii Five-O where you can pull up their face on the computer no, and scan yeah, it. And take yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, I only wish. Yeah, it's not yeah. like the FBI no. where they have face recognition. Right, instantly. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. no, I only wish that were the case. I mean, yeah. these people are crooks out of L.A. and they probably mm -hmm. keep a very low profile anyway. Right. So it's very, very hard to track them down. Once in a while, we can get lucky, but usually they're gone and your money's gone and there's no getting it back. Of course, I guess if it's on a credit card, you can contest the amount. Is that correct, Doris? Yeah. I was okay, good. Say. And, so, and the debit card, too. You file your claim. And okay. Go, then we take a look at everything. Right. Because so, yeah. that's clearly not a charge you've authorized in any way, shape, or form, even by fraudulent means. You have not authorized that charge. Right. That's and the we distinction. can tell the customer using their card and all of a sudden they're having $2,000 and another $1,000 transaction within, you know, 30 minutes. I mean, they're quick. They are really uh, quick. They are very quick with taking the information, taking that card and racking it up right away. They're professionals. Yep, they're professionals. This, this is what they do. They are professionals. They're professional crooks, and this is their area of expertise. Do they try to pick somebody who looks like they have money so they can go further with their cards, do you think? Probably. Profile them a little bit? <laughs> I think they're, they, they probably would do that. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, so I've heard that you can have like young moms with children, with babies, because, you know, they're already being distracted with their children or babies. Of course. Well, that makes sense, yeah. They mm -hmm. try to distract you even more. So they don't care what age you are trying to get that wallet and trying Absolutely. to get that Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I do have some good news. Oh, good. I was hoping, Nikki. <laughs> we've got to keep our eyes open and follow up on this because here's the headline. This is from the Federal Trade Commission. Federal Trade Commission sues Walmart for facilitating money transfer fraud that fleeced customers out of hundreds of millions of dollars. So do you remember several years ago, the Federal Trade Commission sued Western Union. They also turned a blind eye to these transfers that were taking place in their stores. And they got a lot of money from Western Union in settlement, and they were able to disperse that to some of the victims. So here's what it says. The company turned a blind eye while scammers took advantage of its failure to properly secure the money transfer service offered at Walmart stores. So they did a couple of things. They allowed the payout of a suspicious transfers. So in other words, when somebody would come into the store and want to get paid on this money transfer that looks suspicious just on its face, the word from Walmart was, if you suspect fraud, complete the transaction. Oh. So yeah, so don't, don't get in the way of somebody trying to do a, a transaction, even if you think it's fraudulent. They did not have an anti-fraud policy or they had an ineffective, poorly enforced policy. So even though they knew that their money transfer services were being used by crooks, they did not really train their staff to be on the alert. 
The other thing they did, they allowed cash pickups for larger payments. They even allowed payment of large amounts of cash and Scammers were often able to retrieve these payments by using fake IDs. So it's like Walmart did nothing to try and deter this kind of thing from happening. And they did not provide the materials to prevent consumers from sending fraudulent payments. So I know when you go into the bank these days and the bank teller is suspicious of something, a transfer that is occurring, the bank tellers are trained now to start asking questions. Who are you sending this to? Are you sure this is a person that you know? And on and on. Well, apparently Walmarts did nothing like that. And so they are being sued. And we will follow this and find out if they're successful and if there's going to be another big amount of money that people that have been defrauded through the Walmart money transfers can reclaim their losses. So stay tuned, folks. We'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, that is really something. I guess they're trying to hit them where it hurts. And, you know, I think we just all have to work together to stop scams. Scam Squad and so many other people who are making these efforts because it's big business and we have to be united in our efforts to stop it. We do. Well, thank you, Vicki. I'm glad that there's some good news. And thank you, Doris and everyone at Montecito Bank and Trust. We appreciate you. We do. Thank, thank you so you. much. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, Patty. Bye. Bye.